This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 658. Make sure you're checking out MarkingOut.com. Make sure that you buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Give us a like over on Facebook. Make sure that you're following us over on Instagram, over on Twitter, over on Twitch, over on Threads, and wherever else you may be able to follow us on social media platforms. Also, check us out on Spotify and, depending on the day, on Apple Podcasts. But I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. Make sure you're following me, David PTDPT. And also, you can follow Chris at Chris Sweenedog over on Twitter and CM Sweeney85 on Instagram. But I am here with Brandon. Brandon, go follow him, BTTG161. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. How was uh, everything going? It's going. I know you had an exciting week. Yes, we had the wedding of Salute. Sal. Sal (laughs) on Saturday. So congratulations to Salute and Ripley. Uh, It was an incredible, incredible celebration. It was a ton of fun. Did you get the vegetarian dish? No, no, no. No, no, no. Nope. I got some uh, filet, the filet mignon. So it was delicious. The food was delicious. The party was incredible. And just congratulations to Salute and Ripley. And then on Sunday, we had our NPTE Final Frontier in-person boot camp taking place in New York City at the LaGuardia Marriott. And it was incredible. Unfortunately, I couldn't attend on Saturday, of course, because I was too busy celebrating. And on Sunday, it was just powerful. It was special. It was motivating. It was inspirational. And every any time I get the chance to spend with not only the team, of Final Frontier, but all of the students, it's just very, it just fills me up with so much joy, and I am totally in love with this weekend, but how about you? How was your week? Well, as you know, I flew down to Orlando, Florida, and I stayed at Port Orleans French Quarter again in Disney World, so it's nice to have that transportation to and from the parks, but they also have a Coke freestyle machine there. At the mm-hmm. resort, I bought the the resort mug, I guess you would say. And the very first thing that the machine recommended to me says, Fanta, try if you dare. So I decided to try it, and uh, I don't know what flavor it is. It came out pink and blue, and then by the time I got back to the room, it was black. No. Yeah, so I don't know what, like, I guess it's like a spooky Halloween gimmick, but I have no idea what flavor it is. There's, like, debates online as to what flavor it is. Someone said grape, but that doesn't make sense because there's already a grape Fanta. Did it taste good? Yeah, it was decent. It was supposed to turn your mouth black, but that didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. So I have, I don't know what flavor it was, but I tried other uh, sodas as well. 
So, like, I tried Mr. Pib. I tried Mellow Yellow. Uh, there was Diet Coke, Ginger Lime, and Ginger Lemon. Those were awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so those Coke freestyle machines, I think, are are so cool. But yeah, they, I got to try a bunch when I went to the factory in Atlanta. Oh, but no, see, that's what I would appreciate if they offered like the worldwide flavors. But these, oh, so this didn't this no, didn't offer any worldwide. No, these are just like normal. Like you could switch from Diet Coke. There's uh, Powerade. There's Mr. Pib, Mellow Yellow, um, Vitamin Water, High C. Oh. I think, and then in in each category, there are different flavors mm-hmm. like. For some reason, there's no Diet Coke grape or Coke grape, but there's Sprite grape. Okay. So I was able to mix Diet Coke and and Sprite grape. Uh Uh-huh. So that was decent. That was good. Very cool. But yeah, the first park that I went to was Magic Kingdom. Very, very empty. Which... Why? I have no idea. And it's not... When I say very, very empty, I'm not talking about like no people like no crowds whatsoever but yeah there was uh like there weren't many wait times mm-hmm. so that was a very uh positive thing uh, in, in most of the parks as well there weren't okay. a lot of wait times but it was just so hot so that sucked at one point um i, I was looking at the wrong weather i was looking at long island I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's 77 degrees. It's not uh, it's not terrible. And you walk outside, it's 90 degrees. Oh, no. So that sucks. But Magic Kingdom, I was able to try the Gray Stuff Cupcake, which is a chocolate cupcake with cookies and cream frosting. Okay. And then, uh, I guess, maybe either chocolate pearls or whatever. So that was really good. Chris um, was a bad, big fan of that one, I think. He was saying that I, I could have sworn that it was supposed to be filled as well, but I guess they did away with that. They've changed that item so many times. Mm-hmm. But the gray stuff is fantastic. I've made the gray stuff by myself. It's like just Oreos, cream, and uh, and uh, Cool Whip. Mm-hmm. As, as far as I know, like as far as a copycat recipe goes. So... I highly recommend anybody looking up the Gray Stuff recipe and trying it themselves because it's really good. Uh, I went to Epcot. I tried a grilled chicken bao, which is on the kids' menu. And it was not... It doesn't look appetizing. It was good. It was just too small. But I get because it was from the kids' menu. That's why it was, like, small, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it was still good. I got a, a, a... Black Forest Bamkachin. I'm not sure if that's what I'm pronouncing correctly, but it's like a, a a tree cake or whatever, and it's like made on a spit, like a rotisserie. Okay. So it's it's like each layer you could see each layer in the cake. Yeah. So when you cut into it, it resembles a tree, and you see the different rings. But it it originated. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it originated in Germany, but gained major popularity in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I went there knowing I wanted to try that. I thought it was decent, and I think uh, I thought it was going to be much better, but I would definitely eat it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I would not eat again. Oh, here we go. I tried the pickle milkshake. Oh, no. <laughs> they have, as per Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker, they have uh, a Muppets 
lab for the food and wine festival this year where they have some weird combinations and stuff and one of those is a pickle milkshake but it i can't i can't in good conscience call this a pickle milkshake because it was really just like a a vanilla dill milkshake instead Mm -hmm. because it didn't resemble a pickle to me it just it seemed like which is i think a plus (laughs) But and people are like, oh, it has a vinegary aftertaste. I don't taste that at all. To me, it tasted like a, a vanilla milkshake with a hint of dill. Where if you drink it enough, if you gave that to somebody and was like, "Here's a mint milkshake," I don't think they would bat an eye. I think they'd be like, "Oh, yeah. this tastes a little bit off," but but uh, certainly not pickly. Mm-hmm. So it's not. I don't think I need. I would never need to get that again. But it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't like, I don't like milkshakes, but I love pickles, so I just figured I would try that. Okay. Worth a shot. I mean, you got nothing to lose in trying something. Right. Uh, I went to Animal Kingdom, and then later in the day, oh, I actually went to uh, Whispering Canyon Cafe for breakfast that morning, which okay. is all-you-can-eat breakfast, so God bless any all-you-can-eat spot in Disney. Uh, and that's one of the cheaper spots, because there's no mm-hmm. characters. But later in the day, after I went to Animal Kingdom, I went to Saratoga Springs, the resort in Disney World, because my brother's friend and his whole family was staying there. So we got to see them for for that night and celebrate mm. his daughter's birthday. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to, um, where did I go? I don't remember where else I went. I, I My hotel, I was French Quarter, so they had... Haunted Mansion beignets there. Mm-hmm. Those are dusted with cookies and cream powdered sugar. And which I think is really just like an Oreo powdered sugar, I guess. It has a, a marshmallow cream drizzle, and those were way better than the normal beignets. Mm-hmm. So it sucks that they're leaving after Halloween because I think if I were to go back to French Quarter, I would order those 100% every single time I'm there. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. But I did, after that, I went to Hollywood Studios and uh, I tried to get my niece to go on Tower of Terror. And she was like, going to? She's done it before. And uh, then she refused to. So I ended up going by myself, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman in front of me on, in line like randomly turned to me and she was like, oh, I'm nervous. I've never done this ride before. And I'm like, brother, the first time I did this ride was 2017. And that's because I was most likely scared to do it back in 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it's one of my favorite attractions. So I hope that eased her a little bit. She didn't seem like she freaked out. It seemed like she was fine after the ride. So. Yeah, I think that's a, a fantastic ride. I hope everybody gets to ride Tower of Terror someday. Uh, and then after a long day at Hollywood Studios, we ended up getting a last-minute reservation at Chef Mickey's in the Contemporary, which mm-hmm. is a character buffet, so it's, like, super expensive, but it's a decent buffet. Mm-hmm. And then we waited around until the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party fireworks because you could see from the Contemporaries literally right across the, the street from magic kingdom so you can go out on the balcony and watch from the contemporary so we did that and i thought that was a cool aspect of the trip even though we didn't necessarily go to the halloween party Mm -hmm. 
And then I did uh, one more day at Magic Kingdom. We went, uh, my whole family went, and uh, we met up with my brother's friend and his whole family, and we did a few things together. Then we parted ways and did Liberty Tree Tavern for dinner, which is all you can eat again. It's like a Thanksgiving feast is the okay. best way to describe it. Always cool. good to go there. Yeah, and then my family left. They went back to the the hotel. I stayed at the park. That was my like first... My, my last night there. So I stayed and maybe was like a partial mistake. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Like had I not stayed, I wouldn't have gotten to do the Haunted Mansion three times in a row. Which was like, I guess you would call some Disney magic that I was able to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had I not stayed, I wouldn't have been able to have the whole theater to myself for Carousel of Progress. Which is something I don't think I've ever ever thought I would have and I thought that mm-hmm. was a really cool experience but had I not stayed <laughs> I wouldn't have been caught in the goddamn thunderstorm in Tomorrowland where it floods oh no as soon as I like I had like this super cool experience at Carousel Progress and then the doors open and all you hear is I'm like oh no and I went, I looked at the weather app and it says uh, the, the rain wasn't stopping until 1030. I was like, I, there's no way I could just stand here for that many hours. Mm-hmm. I had to go for it. And there was no way of getting out of where I was without crossing a river. So I had to go through it and I got completely soaking wet. My shoes, my socks, it's an experience and... Uh, I could say I've done it, and I hope I never have it happen again. Mm-hmm. And then my shoes were still soaking wet the next morning, which really sucks. So I had to put them in the dryer in the hotel for an hour. That did nothing. Luckily, I went to my brother's house before our flight and dried them. So that really sucked that I had to do all that. But luckily, it did dry, and our flight ended up getting super delayed. Mm-hmm. And we changed our flight even. so, And then our, our bags got to JFK normal. So that was really good. I was partially expecting it to be on a wrong flight because we changed. But yeah, so all in all, it was a great trip to Orlando, Florida. And it's always nice to see my family. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, we should talk a little bit about SmackDown from the week prior. Yeah, just like a quick recap. We saw Shotzi and Charlotte Flair team up and pick up the victory over Damage Control. The main focus of this, I think, was Asuka, where EO challenged her afterwards, so we're getting that. Um, LA Knight cut a promo where Grayson Waller and Austin Theory interrupted, which I thought was a very good segment. And I thought that... Um, I thought it was getting turned into a tag team match, but it was just a singles match where LA Knight beat Austin Theory. Mm-hmm. But the, the main story of this, LA Knight wants the Miz. Adam Pierce set it up. Paul Heyman threatened LA Knight later on. So I thought that was an interesting aspect. Yeah, I agree. We had the Judgment Day uh, where they went absolutely bonkers for Dominic. I don't know if I'm bonkers um, is the right word, but... I guess anti bonkers. <laughs> yeah. They they but, totally. I mean, it was inc- it was really incredible because Dominic got right on the and this was in Boston and Dominic gets right on the mic and right away before he even gets a word out there, 
the crowd just got louder yeah. and louder and louder and louder to the point where you really I, – I had to focus really hard to actually hear what Dirty Dom was saying <laughs> because it was getting so loud. I really had to focus. Yeah, but um, the, the brawling brutes came out and it led to a brawl. And then it yeah, goes... they came out in all in the green attire, getting a good old Boston chant, uh, pop, and everything like that. Oh too. yeah, I didn't even think of that. The the Celtics. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it, it sets up that tag team match where the Judgment Day was obviously beating the Brawling Brutes. Uh, I think Ridge Holland shined big time for his strength in that match. Mm-hmm. But Street Profits and Bobby Lashley came out afterwards, and Lashley said that it's not the Judgment Day taking over; it's going to be them. And then cut to the main event. We see AJ Styles pick up the victory over Jimmy Uso. Uh, but AJ Styles had words with the OC beforehand. And he, he was they were warning him. They were like, brother, we didn't want to be part of this. We didn't want to get involved with the bloodline. And he goes, you know what? Screw you guys. I don't want you out there. And they, they, they stay in the back. Yeah, are we going to see the OC start to break up i'm sure we'll see something else further this week but i'll speak about that yeah. paul Heyman and solo sokoa came out during that and i did not expect aj to to win this match but afterwards the mm-hmm. judgment day jumped aj styles and fed him to solo sokoa and who didn't show up the oc oc they didn't come out to help him out big time yeah i mean it does make you question. I mean, the OC right now is just floating there. Like, they brought back the OC, uh, re-signed them, and I feel like they just haven't cashed in on them yet. I thought we were going to see something where the OC go out to save him and have, like, a stare down with Finn Balor. Okay. But that could be... In- what if the Judgment Day continues to grow? I, I can't see that. The only right. growth I'm seeing is J.D. McDonough. So. Yeah, yeah. But that's SmackDown from last week. Going to move over to Monday Night Raw. Mm, Monday Night Nitro. Kicked off with Jay Uso, who was really just saying that it's good to be on Raw and out of the bloodline. And yeah, Kevin and the, Owens. The crowd, the, the crowd eating it up completely. Jay Uso, by the way, switched from red gear on SmackDown to blue gear on Monday Night Raw. And I think that's funny. Yeah, he's even got blue hair now. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's funny. But uh, Kevin Owens interrupted and said that Jay is actually on Kevin Owens' show, and he's had people come up to him and tell him that they don't want Jay there, and now he has to earn people's trust and he has to earn their respect, especially Kevin Owens. And then we saw the Judgment Day interrupt that, and Finn Balor was completely on Jay's side trying to get him to join them again. And I, again, that Dominic just... Virginia, I think, was even louder than Boston was. Yeah, it was just... It, it's really c- cool. But Sammy I can't Zane, remember somebody else that got this much heat. I mean, yeah, Vicky Guerrero got really <laughs> nuclear heat too. But yeah, this true. is... Right? But this is, this is really cool. And Sami Zayn wasn't at Monday Night Raw and Kevin Owens needed a tag team partner and Jay wants to prove himself, so he offered to be Kevin Owens' tag team partner. And we saw the Judgment Day defeat Kevin Owens and Jay Uso, which I thought was a good match. 
the outcome of this happened because Jay accidentally took out Kevin Owens. Yeah, I mean, this entire thing was Kevin Owens trying to see if he could trust Jay Uso. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say something about what I didn't like though was that Jay Uso was in a tag team match. I I would have rather Jay Uso have a singles match on Monday Night Raw, especially after breaking free from a tag team. I I kind of would rather have seen a solo singles match, and he even is, if Kevin Owens was like just at ringside. He is though still facing because with that SmackDown episode, we saw there's still that understanding between the Judgment Day and the Bloodline. Yeah. So even though he's done with the Bloodline, is he really done with the Bloodline? Mm-hmm. But we could have assumed that something was going to happen like that in the match where Jay accidentally, he's trying to prove himself, boom, accidentally hits Kevin. Yeah. And Kevin was obviously pissed about it. Jay tried to apologize after, and KO wanted nothing to do with him. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. I don't understand why Jay Uso has to prove himself, though. Well, I mean, with the bloodline, they've done a lot of people dirty. Kevin included, Drew McIntyre, Matt Riddle. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Sami Zayn, too, but he's accepted it, and he's... He's moved on. That's true. That's true. Next up, you had The Miz picking up the victory over Tozawa. Um, right? Even before the uh, the finale, he ends up doing the L.A. Night taunt. Yeah. And, I mean, Miz controlled the majority of this. Tozawa had that, like, small little comeback, but it was really nothing. And Miz to, I guess... Fan the flame Mm -hmm. hits the skull crushing finale three times on Tozawa to really drill it to LA night. Mm -hmm. So I I like that aspect of it. Uh, After that, we saw Drew McIntyre pick up the victory over Xavier Woods. We saw Xavier Woods standing up for Kofi Kingston earlier in the night for what Drew said last week. And he mentioned maybe Drew's jealous of Kofi for winning the championship in front of 82,000 people at WrestleMania. But Drew had to do it in front of zero people at the performance center at WrestleMania. So, Mm -hmm. as far as the match goes, did not expect Xavier Woods to reverse that Claymore with the super kick. Yeah. But I enjoyed the match. We saw Drew McIntyre speak to Jey Uso later on. And that sets up a match between them for Monday Night Raw next week. Yeah. And we see Cody Rhodes come out. Cody first speaks about Jey Uso. Then he gets interrupted by Dominic and JD McDonough. And they were like, you're going to look so dumb when Jay actually joins us. You brought him to us. You look dumb. This led to a fight with Cody coming out on top, but we saw Finn Balor really hyped Jay up and said that they're all fans of his, including Rhea Ripley. And the door is always open for Jay to join the Judgment Day. So there's like so many storylines intertwining here. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it too. We saw Shayna Baszler pick up the victory over Chelsea Green, which stemmed from a segment earlier between the two of them. Piper is back. 
don't know what much you could say. I popped that Chelsea was wearing the major players gear here. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, but the crowd, unfortunately, was pretty dead for this. Yeah. Piper jumped in afterwards to fight with Shayna, and Zoe Stark made the save. I guess they mutually earned respect last or what last week or two weeks ago. I forget when it was for Zoe Stark and Shayna Baszler mm-hmm. when they had their match. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura had a video promo where he painted Seth Rollins to be a bad guy, and he recounted all the bad things that Seth Rollins has done. And he said that he wants to expose Seth Rollins. And then on the flip side, Seth Rollins, he's like, you goddamn right, I'm I'm a bad guy. Yeah, I've done all those things, but I'm a father now. And I'm a champion. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to be what everybody wanted me to be for so long, which was that bad guy. And he tried to figure himself out, but now Seth Rollins is kind of distancing him himself from that and he called nakamura out again for a championship match and nakamura said that he thought seth wasn't cleared so he found somebody else to fight and beat up and that was ricochet backstage so why ricochet again is like stepped up into this not, yeah, that's what I don't get. Not a hundred percent sure, but like I understand because he he told Seth the other week, brother, it's not all on you. I can do it too. Anybody can step up and and be that face of Monday Night Raw. It doesn't have to be on your shoulders. Yeah. So, uh, but earlier in the night we saw a uh, championship celebration hosted by Imperium for Gunter. He trashed former Intercontinental champions. And said that he's running out of opponents. We saw Chad Gable interrupt this and said that the look on Gunter's face last week showed that he knew that Chad Gable took him to the limits. And then Gable also spoke about how Gunter made his his kids cry and how there's a fire lit in him and that's not going to go away until he dethrones Gunter. Mm Mm-hmm. And Gunther is like, you're a great athlete, but you're a terrible father. And that snapped Chad Gable and set him off. Gable goes after Gunther. Imperium takes him out. Otis ran down to try and help him, but they uh, it didn't last long. They took him out. And then Champa finally, randomly, I guess you'd say, ran down to chase them off with a chair. Yeah, And then it sets much. up that six-man tag where we saw Alpha Academy and Tommaso Champa beat Imperium. I and they're I mean they they definitely celebrated to the highest degree with this one after picking up that victory too. I mean it what do you think about Champa being aligned with It's very random. with this. It's very very random. Right? That's what I was thinking too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Champa on TV and everything like that, but even still it just didn't it seems forced to me. I don't know if it seems forced, but I don't know what they're doing with Johnny Gargano. He just returned at the, the Long Island event, I believe, last week. Mm. Losing to Omos, but I don't know what they're doing with him. I actually was meaning to look up that. Yeah, on Saturday they had the Long Island event at Nassau Coliseum. I was going to look at the results, but I kept on forgetting. Is there anything to note from there? Um, No. It was just like your typical... Even like the superstar spectacle thing wasn't such a big thing. Greg Colley showed up, which I think is cool. 
Oh yeah, and then Natalia—they yeah, they were just in India. Yeah, and then Natty worked double duty because some of the people couldn't get there. Oh wow! Yeah. Hmm. So, but this match, although it was random, it was pretty crazy. And Chad Gable showed off how ruthless he could be uh, by locking Fabian Eichner in that that ankle lock. Not Eichner. What's his new name? Giovanni Vinci. <laughs> In the ankle lock and staring directly at Gunter, who was also locked in a submission by Champa. So mm. I'm thinking the next premium live event we're going to see Gunter versus Champa. And then further down the line we'll see Champa uh Chad Gable versus Gunter again. And then Gable going over on Gunter? I would hope so. But again, I don't know. See, that's that goes back to the thing. I don't know if it stays till till WrestleMania or what. I don't know. Maybe by uh, then they want different plans for Gunter. I think I would break it before WrestleMania. I don't think that if I was going to dethrone Gunter, I wouldn't do it at WrestleMania. I mean, where a rumble is a fine time. Like there's like now that he broke the record, there's really no reason besides like being dominant. There's no uh reason to have him carry it. Like there's no uh, benchmark that he has to go for. Now it's just continuing continuing I mean, his own the, legacy. The benchmark, though, could also be modern-day longest reigning, that being Roman Reigns. It's a different championship, but still... I don't think he's going to carry it. No, I don't think he's going to carry yeah. it for over a thousand days either, but exactly. that's still something that he could chase. Yeah. But um, the, the main event of Monday Night Raw saw Rhea Ripley... Pick up the victory over Raquel Rodriguez to retain the championship. Dominic was banned from ringside. I think it's very cool that they main evented Monday Night Raw for the championship. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a pretty good match. But something that sparked a very hot topic debate this week was the returning Nia Jax. Who cost Raquel Rodriguez the match? She hit a, a Samoan drop on the the outside to her. Raquel was able to get up and get back in the ring. Basically, gets hit with the riptide from that. But she goes after Rhea Ripley afterwards. She hits that super, I think, a very nice headbutt, mm-hmm. and then hits that bonsai drop where maybe she missed uh, or what did didn't do what she was supposed to do. I don't know. It seemed like she full on landed on her. Mm-hmm. But Nia Jax had been like a rumored name to be returning soon, so it wasn't. I wasn't shocked by it, but I don't think it was as bad as people are saying. I don't think it was a bad return, even. I just no, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't think that there's anything to really dispute. It's the with whole the thing return. where people are like, "Oh, she injures so many people." I saw fans got in it with Oscar, Oscar, yeah, Oscar. <laughs> completely bam to them. You're like, brother, screw you. Like, you're not in the ring. You don't know what you're talking about. Kyrie yeah. has 100% forgiven her. And Kyrie takes, um, takes most of the fault, takes the fault as her own because she knows the risks and she knows uh, how to protect herself in the ring and this and that. You know, I, I think that there's nothing, I think that fans are just hateful, period. Yeah. Um, and plus she, towards- she's been gone for such a long time where, she can have improved a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen so many people separate away from the ring. And during that off time, they've been working and going, uh, trying to improve themselves. 
And if if Nia Jax was in the Joshi style, people would be eating it up. <laughs> That's actually pretty true. That's funny. Right? I think you're right, yeah. But it's but, but it, I I'm almost certain she's been working with Natty and, and TJ. Well, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I feel like I've seen her in those videos. Yeah, I'm sure. I I say people got to give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what happens. You know. Yeah. Also, I this mean, was the last Monday Night Raw under the full control of Vince McMahon. Yeah, the that's deal very with true. the deal with Endeavor went through on Tuesday, and TKO was officially formed between the merger of WWE and UFC. Which yeah. is pretty crazy. The first time in 70 years that a McMahon doesn't have made majority control over WWE. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting now. I mean, and then rumors are that I guess we should be expecting potential cuts at some point soon. But I don't know if it's roster cuts or office cuts or what. Could be both. I mean. And apparently Vince McMahon has control over UFC and what they do also, which is weird. Yeah, what's even more re- weird is Vince McMahon showing up with a, a do-rag. That, that's and... not real. No? That didn't happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought it looked weird. <laughs> that explains it then. Good, I'm, I'm glad that that didn't happen. Because it really confused me. I mean, I I understand that he's like trying to transform it, transform his appearance and go darker hair and stuff. But the, wearing the do rag really didn't. He didn't have to. It was, I will say, a very good edit though. <laughs> How could you think he was showing up to that in a do rag? I don't know. I didn't know. You didn't see I, the whole video clip where he did like the Hogan hand to get the crowd to cheer at the stock market. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> but uh, that was Monday Night Raw. Going to move over to NXT, which opened super hot, where Ilya Dragunov picks up the victory over Wesley to become the number one contender. Dragunov moves on to No Mercy to face Carmelo Hayes for the championship. But this match was absolutely insane. It was hard-hitting, high-flying, just brutal. A very, very solid match. What are your thoughts? Anything? I thought it was solid. I think that... <laughs> I don't think there's anything that's going to stop Dragunov. No. Uh, I mean, he's too, he's too over. And he's also incredible in the ring. And he, and he's, and he has the mic skills. And we, we saw... We have Trick... Uh, not Trick Williams. Carmelo Hayes versus Dominic next week on NXT TV, I believe. I don't think it's champion versus champion, but it's still like being billed as champion versus champion. Mm-hmm. I think. And Trick offered up help for Carmelo because the Judgment Day would be there. And I feel like Carmelo Hayes said no. I don't think he wants the help. Yeah. And then l- later on, we saw Wes Lee clearing out his locker. And he left the building, and he said that he was done, so I don't know what specifically that's going to mean. Mm-hmm. I know people think, oh, he's going to show up in Impact. I don't know. I don't know I don't... if he's done with WWE or what. I don't think so. In that same segment, we saw Gigi Dolan attack Blair Davenport randomly as he left. And we saw Mustafa Ali interviewed later on 
about the way that he won last week with Dominic as the guest referee and Dragon Lee questioned the count from Dominic. So I feel like all of that could be intertwined next week. Mm-hmm. Probably not, but Ali was like, I ha- I mean, I won. I, I can't control what he did, basically. Yeah. Baron Corbin, though, called out Braun Breaker and then congratulated him for what he did to Von Wagner last week. Where everyone that those goofy ass reports came out saying, oh, Braun Breaker actually hit Von Wagner. And then like alternate angles came out. And it's like, uh, doesn't even look like he touches him at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like Bam roasted to all of those people. It sucks that a video like that had to uh, come out to like kill kayfabe. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, Braun Breaker basically matched Baron Corbin's energy and then stopped and called him an idiot. And he's like, I didn't do what I did last week for you. I did it because Von Wagner put me through a table. I'm not looking for your approval. And then Corbin listed off all his accomplishments and Breaker just didn't care. And he doesn't care about earning Baron Corbin's respect. And then he threatened Baron Corbin... It came to blows a little bit, and a match was set up for no mercy. They're like slapping. Yeah, that blows was weird. And, yeah, I didn't under like at first it seemed like disrespectful slaps, and then it just got different. I think it was supposed <laughs> to be broken up before that. Yeah, I have to say I'm still torn on Braun Breaker. I'm still torn on him. I still need to see more. I don't see how. I don't know. I it's. I guess maybe I have to see him on the main. I have to see him on the main roster and being used properly before I really get fully behind. Well, we have that match set up for No Mercy. After that, we saw Drew Gulak, Charlie Dempsey, and Damon Kemp pick up the victory over Briggs and Jensen and Miles Bourne, which was a chaotic match. But Miles Bourne threw Brooks Jensen into the ring post and then into the ring for Damon Kemp to finish the match. And that was a big double cross. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Big double cross on that one. That's, yeah, I don't know what else to say with that. Uh, yeah, not much. <laughs> we saw Chase U backstage where they didn't know where Thea Hale was. Uh, she stopped sharing her location with Duke Hudson. And then on the flip side, they showed where Thea Hale was. She was with JC Jane. And some dudes came over to talk to them and ended up making fun of Thea Hale. And she snapped. And I, I don't know if she took both of them out or one of them out. Mm-hmm. But one of them was definitely locked in the Kimura. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the next match, though, we saw was Lyra Valkyria pick up the victory over Dana Brooke. And like I said last week... The fans, they were kind of split here, but the fans now have an actual reason to boo Dana Brooke. But, yeah. which I still don't really get the hate for Dana. It's it's awful. And I thought this was it, a good It's match. similar to the night. Yeah, I feel like it's like that Nia Jax hate where there's just no solid reason anymore. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say there yeah. was no reason for Nia Jax. Yeah, true. But it's not like she deserves all the hate that she's getting. Yeah. So, I, and again, I, I thought this match was good. Lyra offered up a handshake to Dana Brooke afterwards, which she eventually took. But when Lyra turned around, Dana Brooke went to go attack her. 
And Kalani Jordan stopped her. She she held her back. So Lyra didn't see that. Mm-hmm. We all saw it. She didn't. And then later on in the night, she had like a quick meeting with Becky Lynch, just like a friendly congrats and good luck, basically. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Eddie Thorpe was interviewed after that. And he was talking about Dijak and then a video of Dijak cut in and he was in the wilderness whipping a tree. So it it has to lead to some sort of belt match. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what strap match, belt match. I have no idea what it's going to be. So hmm. after that, though, we saw Tyler Bate pick up the victory over Axiom to advance in the Global Heritage Invitational. Tyler Bate was behind on points because this was his first match of the Invitational, which I don't mm-hmm. understand how it was because I feel like we've been seeing this for like three weeks now. Mm-hmm. But I think Tyler Bate, given that he was down on points, was the obvious winner. So, but there were definitely points of this match where I thought maybe he wouldn't be winning. But I'm 100% looking forward to seeing Butch versus Tyler Bate next week. Yeah. I think, that I think that's going to be an awesome match. Something unfortunate next was Schism. Joe Gacy and Ava were were lined up together. And they aired a segment where Joe, I mean, he didn't, I don't think he said it outright, but basically mentioned that they only have two roots now. So the dyad, mm. the contracts are done. They're, they're done with WWE. And I think that sucks a lot. So, yeah, I know it's, you know what? It's for the better. Maybe. I mean, I, and I say it's for the better because me and you both know how talented they are. Um, and what they were very, very deserving of. They were NXT UK Tag Team Champions. They should have been NXT Tag Team Champions. They they should have won the Dusty Cup. Yes, they should have won the Dusty uh, Cup. They should have been for years now in the video games and just haven't been. Yeah. Yeah. And there's really no good reason for them not being... uh, pushed for it i mean they went from being really solid on the mic as grizzled young vets they were really solid solid on the on the mic they had their entrance set up and everything like that and then you pretty much took all of that away just to put them with joe gacy well i think once the dyad really got going i think they shined in that still i i don't agree fully i i don't think that it was necessary no i don't think so either yeah, I think that they could have maintained Grizzled Young Vets and you could have put somebody different with jo- with Joe Gacy. But that still goes back to the whole thing where Joe Gacy's whole thing was everybody's being overlooked. And Grizzled Young Veterans were two of the most overlooked people there. Yeah. So to me, it that just... it still made sense, but it just would have, not, would have been nice to see them. I agree. And when that whole thing where they requested their release, when that whole thing came out, kudos to WWE. They used them literally like every week on TV. Yeah. So at least we got what we got. I just wish it was more. So Mm -hmm. maybe in the future, if their contracts are really up, maybe in the future we will see them back in WWE eventually and used to how we want them to be used. Mm -hmm. But fingers can be only crossed for... For that. After that, we saw the Creeds pick up the victory over 
Idris Anofi and Malik Blade, Los Lotharios watch from the crowd. We still have not seen them wrestle, which I think is weird. So, because when they said, oh, we'll be, ne- we, we'll be there next week, that just was, the, they were there. They were physically there. They did not wrestle. They didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So, but it was good to see Anofi and Blade in this kind of spot. And I guess be standouts from this episode, even though it was like short-lived in favor of the Creed's. Uh, I still think they they shined a lot in this match. Yeah, and we got a more aggressive side from the Creeds. They're not taking anybody's crap at this point. They're done. They're done with the dyad. They're done with schism. They're done with everything. They want the titles. Hank and Tank showed up afterwards. They got jumped by uh, Nima and and Bronco. I believe. And... Uh huh. And that was the end of that. We saw yeah. Roxanne Perez talking to the women's locker room and Lola Vice and Electra Lopez interrupted, which is going to lead to a match. Nathan Fraser picked up the victory over Akira Tozawa to advance in the Global Heritage Invitational. Tozawa going uh, double duty. Tozawa, though, 0-3 in this, in this uh, Invitational. And it's funny that I thought Tyler Bate was going to be the only person competing outside of the tournament. But like you said, Tozawa doing double duty. Yeah. And the match was very action-packed, but it was just so short. I don't know how short it was, but I really wish this was longer. And I wish Tozawa, like, got points in this tournament. Yeah. We saw Joe Coffey interviewed afterwards about needing to beat Duke Hudson next week in order to win Group B. And Duke stepped up and said that if he wins next week, it's going to be a three-way tie between him, Nathan Fraser, and and Joe Coffey. So part of me thinks we're going to be seeing that three-way tie next week. I could definitely see the three-way tie taking place as well. And then the main event of NXT saw Becky Lynch coming to NXT from Monday Night Raw to defeat Tiffany Stratton. And become the new NXT Women's Champion. So she's now a Grand Slam Champion in WWE. I mean, and this is, I guess, debatable. Uh, amongst many people that, with this entire thing, with what took place. I mean, so what's your... All oh, right, I thought so you meant what do you have Grand to say? Slam Champion's debatable. No, no, but... All right, so what do you have to say about the match itself? First of all, they did a contract signing backstage on Monday Night Raw. And I thought that was cool that they did that. Uh-huh. But... I think it's cool that we got to see Becky Lynch make an NXT entrance as the man. Mm-hmm. And I liked Becky Lynch matching Tiffany Stratton here. Stratton's known for doing all those like um, gymnastic things. Yeah. Becky Lynch did a cartwheel right back at Tiffany Stratton. So I liked that she was going like, not move for move, but she was going back and forth with like, she was matching Tiffany Stratton. Yeah, and it, I like that part, and I thought it was really cool. I really liked the end of it. Before I the like, end, though, when Becky uh-huh. Lynch had Tiffany Stratton locked in the armbar, the referee stood up at one point, and I thought he was going to call for the, the bell, and I was like, wait a minute, that makes no sense. What, what do you mean? Like, this was like a split second in my head, the thought. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm glad that the referee didn't call for the, the bell right there. Uh-huh. But that outcome of this match was just beyond, for me, surprising. Because I wasn't expecting Becky Lynch to win this at all. Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, I don't know if you expected that, but... So, all right. So, yes, I expected this outcome. I expected Becky Lynch to win, but I also didn't... I didn't expect it to happen... Um, Let's see. I expected Becky Lynch to win. I didn't expect it to be so clean of a victory, but I think that it's really good. I think that maybe with everything with TKO, maybe they wanted to send somebody a big name to NXT. And it really, to be, the, the rating shot up because of this. Exactly. To be featured as a champion on NXT. So by sending Becky Lynch over there and becoming champion, uh, you're going to have a boost in the ratings. Plus, I mean, me and you always spoke about how they should be sending people down to NXT to wrestle. Um, instead of it being treated differently. And for now, now you're going to have Becky Lynch taking on uh, Roxanne Perez and all of these other women, Lyra Valkyrie, uh, Valkyria, uh, Dana Brooke again, and all these other women that are currently in NXT. And I think that that's exciting. I think that's great. I think that's good training for those people. I think that it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be long lasting. Well, I would hope for it to be longer than shorter. I could see it being longer than shorter, like maybe I can't see it being six months or more. No, I, I, I can't see I, that either. But I see it. I I see it maybe two to three months. But seriously, I hope that like we get some good matches out of it. I hope whoever dethrones her, maybe it's Tiffany Stratton. I hope it means yeah. it means something. And I hope it makes sense. I mean, there's rumors of Stratton going up to the main roster, though, but it could definitely be somebody else. I mean, and something that you mentioned, Grand Slam champion. Yeah. I think so. that's, that's, huh? I said, yeah, so. Yeah, that's incredible, uh, incredible historic uh, feat for Becky Lynch to have that she obviously didn't have. Her and but- Bailey went back and forth because all the other horsewomen are Grand Slam champions. Yeah, with the so exception this was, of Becky Lynch, who is now a, a Grand Slam champion. And this is something that she really had to do. Uh, so I think that that's really, really cool. Yeah, but that's NXT. Moving over to SmackDown. It opened up with Pat McAfee making a surprise appearance. Which was then interrupted by Austin Theory, and he tore McAfee up. He said that they have unfinished business, and he said that it's his show. And then Pat McAfee said, don't you know it's the people's show? Brings out The Rock, which I know if uh, if if we recorded the markout moment of the week, like, after the fact, then that would have 100% been part of it, but... The pop for The Rock was absolutely insane. And Austin Theory asked The Rock if he knew whose ring it was. And The Rock told him to shut shut up. They went back and forth. The censoring of the crowd on TV kind of ruined that segment. But Austin Theory went to square up with The Rock. And The Rock hit that spine buster, hit the people's elbow. And then The Rock had Pat McAfee hit a people's elbow. And overall, it was just a fun segment. That really, it just sucks that the the censors of the crowd did took away from it, I guess. And then backstage, we saw Pat McAfee and The Rock, and uh, The Rock hugged John Cena. 
I thought that was pretty cool to see John Cena and The Rock there together. Uh, first match of SmackDown, though, saw Finn Balor pick up the victory over AJ Styles. They said that Luke Gallows is injured. I don't know what from, but he is injured. And the Judgment Day ends up cheating behind the referee's back. I feel like maybe you could have had Carl Anderson also be out there, but they didn't fully leave. And Jimmy ends up showing up, hits AJ Styles from behind. And I thought it was JD McDonough at first, but... I don't think this really, this match really wasn't what it could have been. It makes sense, but I just, I really would have wanted more from it. But Finn Balor thanked Jimmy later on. And Jimmy said that they thanked, uh, they, they helped him win last week. So they're even now. He repaid the favor. And then Finn Balor spoke about how he saw Jay on Monday Night Raw. And maybe Jimmy's missing him and maybe Jay will join the Judgment Day. And then he asked Jimmy to join. And he's like, in the Judgment Day, there's no leaders. There's no Roman Reigns. And Paul Heyman was in the background watching that. So I thought that was a a good segment there. After that, we saw the LWO with uh, Rey Mysterio talking about how he was heartbroken by everything that happened with Dominic. But the LWO picked him up and reminded him about family. And now he's the United States champion. Then Santos Escobar asked him for a match for the U.S. championship. And Ray was like, are you serious, man? Like, are you kidding me? And then was like, nah, I'm just kidding. Of course you're, of course you're getting a match. It was Santos's dream to wrestle Ray Mysterio for a championship. So Ray was more than happy to oblige. Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits came out. Lashley's hometown, I guess they said. Huge pop for Bobby Lashley from the crowd. But they interrupted, and uh, Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro lay out a challenge to the Street Profits. Profits end up picking up the victory, and it, that match, like almost nothing happened in that match, so that kind of sucked. But Bobby Lashley told the Profits to beat them down afterwards. Rey Mysterio and Santos got involved, and they also got taken out by Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. So I feel like that is the first big heel thing that we've seen from that that group. Uh, match after that, LA Knight picked up the victory over the Miz. Miz cheated behind the referee's back, but LA Knight was able to continue. Uh, I think they had some good back and forth in this match with some good reversals. And obviously LA Knight needed this victory. And uh, LA Knight cut a promo afterwards saying that he's coming for gold. He said it doesn't matter if it's Rey Mysterio. It doesn't matter if it's Gunter. doesn't matter if it's Seth Rollins. It does not matter if it's Roman Reigns. And Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman saw that. Paul spoke to, spoke to Solo about Jimmy picking fights with people. And Solo going, I guess, to have his back. Like with John Cena. And he said he should only be doing it when ordered by Roman Reigns. And Solo basically said, I'm going to finish it tonight. Alluding to, I guess, the Grayson Waller effect. Paul Heyman was like, under whose orders? So I'll put a pin in that. After that, we saw Adam Pierce in Pretty Deadly backstage. Where Adam Pierce asked uh, or, or mentioned that Kit Wilson's... No, Elton Prince's injury seems to be coming along. 
and he'll be back in the ring in no time. And then he had like this overacting monologue, which I thought was funny. And Adam Pierce questioned why he's in a wheelchair. If it was a shoulder injury, but really Kit Wilson hyped up Elton Pierce and uh, Elton Prince and uh, really just, Seems like they're going to continue the Brawling Brutes versus Pretty Deadly when, whenever he's ready to come back. After that, backstage, we saw Bailey and Dakota Kai talking. And Dakota Kai said that EO Sky has to beat Asuka next week. Bailey is worried about that. And then she had to go out and face Asuka, and Asuka picked up the victory over Bailey. Always, always weird hearing Michael Cole bring up uh, Triple Tails, but I think it's cool that they do that now. I didn't like, at one point, that that Codebreaker spot. I didn't like the start of the spot because I thought it was going to be like a goofy spot where Asuka like runs herself into the ring post. But she ends up jumping up onto the middle rope, hits the Codebreaker from the middle rope. So I like the outcome of that spot. Um, but we saw Shotzi pop up from the crowd to scare Bailey. And Bailey runs back into the ring. Asuka ends up hitting a backslide and, and picks up the victory. And I thought maybe Asuka could have... I thought she was going to lock in the Asuka lock. But I guess because Shotzi chased Bailey off, she needed they needed Bailey to be like alert for it. So I understand that. And then after that, we saw the Grayson Waller effect with John Cena as the guest... Grayson Waller uh, spent a lot of time talking here. He, right off the bat, ran John Cena down for wearing a hat and alluded it to alluded to it being like a childish thing, and I thought that was funny. But he told John Cena that Cena needs to be more like him and sit back, let the stars shine. And John Cena really kept trying to speak, but Grayson Waller would speak right before that would happen And he said that John Cena is the greatest of all time. But right now, he's not even close to being that. And it all goes back to WrestleMania where Austin Theory beat John Cena. Cena took his shirt off and before he could say anything, uh, Jimmy Uso came out. And Cena stepped right up to Jimmy. Jimmy took the mic from John and told him that nobody wants him there. And, and he went to square up to Cena. And then Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman came out. Solo got right in John Cena's face. He turns around to choke Jimmy and then let him go. Hit a super kick on John Cena. They beat Cena down. AJ Styles came out to make the save. Cena had a comeback at the five knuckle shuffle. And uh, Solo ends up saving Jimmy from an attitude adjustment. At the, I guess, request of Roman Reigns via cell phone. And that's really how SmackDown ended. Part of me expected to see Finn Balor and the Judgment Day show up in that segment. Part of me thought maybe The Rock would show up as well. But that didn't happen. It looks like we're going to be getting John Cena and AJ Styles versus Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso. Maybe. I don't know. But overall, I don't think there was a lot of action on SmackDown this week. It was really just built around that big pop of The Rock and uh, the end of this segment with the Bloodline. So uh, that's really SmackDown. Going to take a quick little break right now and I'll be right back. 
right here on Marking Out. This is the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, and you're listening to Marking Out, letting all your podcasting to the extreme. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 658. Gonna go with Rampage from last week that opened up with Penta picking up the victory over Jay Lethal to advance in the Grand Slam tournament. Uh, I think at this point, I'm kind of over Triple J because they're literally always involved in the matches and there's no storyline progressions with them. It's just like random here and there matches and I'm kind of over that. And I wish that they'd have heels stop tying Penta's mask to the, the ropes. There has to be a better way to cheat against Penta than doing that. It's like every single match, it seems like he's got his mask tied to the ropes now. After that, we had Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. They're they're pissing each other off. It oddly sounded like they were flirting. And then Jericho pitched a match to ease the tension between the two of them at Grand Slam. They had a segment on Dynamite. Uh, I'll skip forward to that right now, at least. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, they had a video package for them to highlight the the their friendship, I guess, over the past four years. And Sammy doesn't want to be in Chris Jericho's shadow. He needs to beat him at AEW Grand Slam. Chris Jericho hyped him up, but also said that he doesn't think that Sammy's ready to beat him yet. So that just causes a little bit more tension. There was still like that weird flirty thing going on. I it was I found that to be very weird. I don't know if it was just me that found that, but it was weird. Sometimes wrestling is weird. Uh, after that, on Rampage, we saw Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, and Sky Blue pick up the victory over Anna Jay, the Bunny, and Taya Valkyrie. This was just a random match. It was an okay match. It was a bit sloppy, but mostly it was just a meaningless match. And ultimately the outcome of this was Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker not being on the same page, which it still just doesn't make sense. Like why should either of them care about the other? After that, we saw the Young Bucks pick up the victory over 3.0. Mainly, it was really just the Young Bucks. They controlled the majority of this match. And maybe this maybe this shows 3.0 that they kind of need Chris Jericho. Maybe it won't. Main event, though, saw Samoa Joe pick up the victory over Jeff Hardy to advance in that Grand Slam tournament. I think the writing was on the wall with this. I think there was no way Jeff Hardy was going over. There was no way Samoa Joe wasn't making it to Grand Slam. And then uh, the match I thought was was good. Samoa Joe reversed a twist of fate with the Coquina Clutch to pick up the victory there. Moving to Collision, it opened up with John Moxley picking up the victory over Action Andretti to retain the International Championship. I think I would have preferred a different opponent for Moxley. Someone who hasn't been doing tag team matches. I understand it was an open challenge, but... Andretti's last singles match victory on TV, I think, was January against Daniel Garcia. So, like, for me, this went way too long for someone like John Moxley versus someone like Action Andretti. So, 
That that part is unfortunate. The match itself, though, was good. If you take everything else out of it, all the storyline, everything that you know about John Moxley and AEW, everything that you know about Action Andretti and AEW, and you look at it as just the match, I thought it was good. After that, Chris Statlander picked up the victory over Robin Renegade to retain the championship. This was like the last match. I think the Renegades should be given more tag team matches. I would assume maybe we could see Charlotte answer the challenge down the line, but the main story from this was Jade Cargill making her return after about four months. Uh, first to a face pop for beating up the twins and then being booed for, for hitting Chris Statlander. This sets up a match on Rampage for the TBS Championship. I have to assume Chris Statlander retains. We'll find out. Uh, I mean, by the time you listen to this, you'll already know the results. But now there's those rumors. Sean Ross Sapp reported that Jade Cargill looks like she's done with AEW and she'll be going to WWE. So, I guess... I don't understand the reason if she's going to be leaving, why have this match? I don't think it needed closure. After that, we saw the Outcast interviewed, really just hyping up Grand Slam. We saw Eddie Kingston and Claudio have a sit-down with Tony Schiavone. Claudio doesn't remember why Eddie Kingston hates him. And Eddie said that he left the Indies without doing business with him. I thought this was a weird segment. It led to a uh, double title match, though, at Grand Slam. We saw Bullet Club Gold pick up the victory over Aerostar, Gravity, and Drago. Jay White was missing, and Grand Metallic was missing. I don't know if they mentioned it. I don't remember them mentioning it. Also, speaking of missing, Andrade was watching this backstage. He's been missing. But... This match, uh, it was decent. I liked, uh, not I liked, I thought it was kind of funny. At one point, Drago tagged himself in while he was inside the ring and the referee tried to get him to leave and uh, Drago didn't. So the referee just had to let him be legal. But I think they try to do too much in this match uh, in too short of time. If they had like two more minutes, I think this could have been so much better. So it was unfortunate that time worked against them here. After that, Phoenix picked up the victory over Angelico. I wish this match had more time also. This was just a really good high-flying match between both of them. And this was another match where someone who's been wrestling tag matches randomly competes in a singles match. I think Angelico's last like televised singles match was June 2021. Tell me that's not insane. You have Angelico on your roster. How are you not using him like that? This was a good match. Backstage, you had FTR talking about who's going to step up next to the the Tag Team Championships. They need more contenders. It sets up the FTR World Tag Team Challenge. I would definitely not mind if the Grizzled Young Veterans showed up at some point to answer that challenge. After that, Roderick Strong picked up the victory over Darby Allen to advance in the Grand Slam tournament. You saw Mike Bennett and Matt Taven hype up Roderick Strong before the match. I'm 100% glad that Roderick Strong won this. And I'm glad that it wasn't a typical Darby Allen match. 
because normally you'd see him spend the time where he gets uh, beat down the whole match and then comes back to win. Darby had a big disadvantage in this, though, going into it because backstage, right before the match, Luchasaurus attacked him. And then Christian lectured him, but Darby still showed up. A bunch of people got involved. You saw A.R. Fox accidentally take out Nick Wayne, and that led to that was a distraction that Darby, uh, I guess, let cost him the match. After that, Keith Lee was interviewed saying uh, he's a proven success as a tag team champion in AEW. He wants to prove himself as a singles competitor, uh, especially since someone's dodging him, somebody not named. So it seems like they're still. Kind of maybe doing the swerve Keith Lee feud, but like not mentioning it. I don't know. The feud should have ended like 10 years ago. Obviously, that's an exaggerated number. Brian Danielson was kind uh, of cut a promo. Basically said that time's running out for him and he's not going to be leaving gently. And if it's his final year, it'll be the most epic year of his career. And he lays out the challenge for Wrestle Dream against Zack Sabre Jr. This was the opponent that everybody thought he was going to have at Forbidden Door 2. So, everyone's finally going to be getting to see, well, hopefully, I'll knock on some wood, Wrestle Dream, Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Ricky Starks and Big Bill interrupted this segment. And Stark said that just like his other feuds, all the attention seems to be on his opponent again. And he yelled a bit. Brian actually offers him a spot or attempts to offer him a spot in the Blackpool Combat Club. But Big Bill clocks him before he could do that. Brian was like, if you if you're in the Blackpool Combat Club, we bleed against each other or something like that, whatever the saying is. And they certainly did that during that match. But Big Bill clocks him. Starks rips him off. And it's like, oh, maybe Starks is going to be like, oh, don't do that. I'm going to join Blackpool Combat Club. I didn't think that. But Ricky Starks ends up beating Brian Danielson down. Moxley came out. Bill takes him down. And uh, Starks choked Brian Danielson to end that segment. It was a good segment. Main event saw Samoa Joe pick up the victory over Penta to advance in that Grand Slam tournament. This whole tournament was so rushed. To have Penta and Joe on Rampage and Collision back-to-back nights in the same exact tournament is just like... I think that's just like an absolutely absurd thing that they did. But we all knew who was winning this, this match. Moving on to AEW Dynamite, you saw John Moxley pick up the victory over Big Bill to retain the international championship. They spent a lot of time outside the ring. No counts. The ref didn't even try to get the match back on, on track. During the commercial break, Moxley comes back with a busted, busted face. Wide open. Don't know when it happened. Don't know what happened. I know it was during a commercial break. Ricky Starks got involved behind the referee's back, although I feel like the referee sh- was in the position where he should have seen it. But Ricky Starks knocked John Moxley off the top rope. Uh, Brian Danielson ran down to brawl with Ricky Starks. And then afterwards, 
Ricky Starks continued fighting with Brian Danielson. Big Bill beat down John Moxley. Starks joined in on beating down John Moxley as well. Claudio came out, sets up what I think is a six-man tag. No clue how it's Moxley versus Phoenix next week instead of a six-man tag. Brian Danielson instead challenges him uh, as a tag match it sets up. Brian and Claudio versus Big Bill and, and Ricky Starks for collision. Don't think that's what the setup was at all. Don Callis, also I guess everybody else has matches at Grand Slam, so I just don't get it. But Don Callis had an in-ring segment where he called Takeshita the Alpha, and now they're targeting Ibushi. It'll happen at Wrestle Dream. I don't think this segment hit. We've seen uh, recent Don Cal segments where I thought they were really good. This, I, I just don't think this was it. After that, Hook was interviewed almost. Orange Cassidy interrupted before Hook could even answer Renee. And Cassidy questioned what Hook could possibly be mad about because he's champion. I just thought this was such a bad segment. Orange Cassidy said he's tired. If you're tired, stay home. You don't have to be there. These segments don't need to happen. Go home and sleep. That's a simple, simple solution. Kayfabe wise, what's he going to just run out of batteries one day? I don't understand. What are they going to do with him? He's just going to show up and like freeze. Not going to be able to use Orange Cassidy anymore. What's it leading to? Match after that saw Tony Storm pick up the victory over Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker, and Nyla Rose to become number one contender. And I think that's like, I think that was a very obvious outcome because Saray is champion and we've seen some tension between the two of them. And I really hope Saraya retains next week. Um, but in this match, as expected, there was tension between Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker. But again, doesn't make sense. It's a fatal four-way. Why should either one of them care about each other? Why should Hikaru Shida care about what Britt Baker's doing and vice versa? You're both trying to become number one contender. And I don't think this match was a great match. And I think that's very unfortunate. So hopefully next week, Soraya retains... And hopefully they're given time. Hopefully it's a good match. Grand Slam, Tony Storm versus Soraya. Fingers crossed. After that, Daniel Garcia was interviewed uh, about the whole Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara thing. And Renee asked him about that. And he was like, I don't want to talk about them. And then Don Callis interrupted and seemingly tried to offer... Daniel Garcia's spot in the in the Don Callis family, but Garcia danced in his face. And Don Callis was happy about that. So maybe it's not completely off the table. After that, Adam Page picked up the victory over Brian Cage. I fans were chanting this was awesome. I didn't think so. Hangman hit a 619 at one point. I think he looks like he got lucky on the ending there. But Swerve came out. The camera cuts, by the way, cuts the cage and then cuts away before we see him do the actual move. But I don't understand where Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were in this. Why weren't they like already ringside to back up Hangman against the Mogul Embassy? 
I don't I don't understand. But Swerve ends up challenging uh, Adam Page to a match at Wrestle Dream. That's the first like not. I think that's the first like non crossover match. I know Sabres with uh, Ring of Honor, but not really AEW. Uh, but then uh, Brian Cage. Cage and Page. I'm like getting so confused in my head right here. Brian Cage ends up beating down Hangman after that, after that challenge. The Bucks make the save. They take out Brian Cage. They take out um, Prince Nana. Darby Allen and Nick Wayne picked up the victory over 3.0. Complete opposite of Rampage. But maybe 3.0 still needs Chris Jericho in order to be relevant. Unfortunately. This was, uh, for the most part, a pretty basic Darby Allen match. He gets beat down, boom, wins. I, I was going to say for a second I thought Nick Wayne picked up the victory, but no, I remember Darby Allen picked up that victory. Christian Luchasaurus came out almost as soon as the match began. Anna Jay and Jake Hager got involved. Christian laid out a challenge afterwards, uh, a tag team match next week. And for some reason, people think it's going to be Edge and Christian versus Nick Wayne and Darby Allen at Grand Slam instead of Luchasaurus. Main event saw Samoa Joe pick up the victory over Roderick Strong to advance in the Grand Slam tournament to win the Grand Slam tournament, I guess. Uh, This was, I think, the only match worth watching from Dynamite. Even with an obvious outcome, I think this was the best match on Dynamite. Samoa Joe ends up warning MJF after the match, and instead of closing with the World Championship like promo or whatever, they had so much extra time. Obviously, this was all planned. They had Roderick Strong randomly drop to the mat when Adam Cole randomly came out. Maybe Adam Cole went too early. But then the Kingdom tried to prevent Adam Cole from getting to Roderick Strong to check on him. Samoa Joe runs back out and chokes Adam Cole out. And they had time left over, so much so that Excalibur, instead of rushing through everything, read his copy as slow as possible, which is something we never hear. So that's AEW from this past week. Gonna move over to some shout outs. So, Brandon, who are you shouting out? Why did the chicken cross the road to listen to Brandon's shout outs? Waka waka. Larry Chance gets the first shout out. He passed away last week at the age of 82. He was the lead singer of the doo wop group, The Earls. And I definitely think that doo wop music is my favorite genre of music. And he had a huge song called Remember Then. And it's like a super catchy song that I'll just like randomly be sitting doing Uh nothing. And it pops into my head and I'm sitting there like singing it out loud. So look up Larry Chance and the Earls and listen to them this weekend. Um, My second shout out goes to About My Father, which I watched on the airplane going down to Florida. It stars Sebastian Maniscalco and Robert De Niro, where Sebastian Maniscalco's character is going to propose to his girlfriend and he needs 
his father, De Niro's approval of the girlfriend's family before his father basically lets him propose. And then their cultures clash and everything ends up working out in the end. But I think the way some of these reviews were written, they made it seem like as if it was supposed to be some like huge, like Oscar drama. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just a, it's like a feel good comedy. It's a fun movie. And I think it's a, a, a good movie to, to watch just to pass some time. I think the way the movie ends definitely leaves it open for a sequel, which I would more than welcome. So definitely check it out. I think uh, Sebastian Maniscalco is hilarious. I think Robert De Niro, obviously he's great in comedy movies. So check out About My Father. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. And then my last shout-out goes to Ray Parker Jr. Because uh, when I went to Epcot, I saw him perform. And I think that was super cool. He did songs from his time with radio, like Jack and Jill. And then solo work, he did... Obviously, uh, I'm pretty sure he would have done this at every single show. He did the Ghostbusters theme song. That's I that's think, really that's where he would probably be most famous from. Yeah, I mean, that's where I know, know him from. Jack and Jill, I'm sure if you listen to that, you would... I'm going to say like 90% you would know it because that's also a super famous song. I mean, when you sent me the video, I had no clue what you, what you meant. You're like Ghostbusters sound check. I'm like for the, 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 like how they have an Indiana Jones thing. Are they doing a Ghostbusters thing too? Yeah. Like you totally confused me with that. But yeah, so it was cool because he did a mashup of Ghostbusters and it's a small world, Mm -hmm. but it was just overall, it was awesome to see. And hear that stuff live, and I guess he always mixes that stuff in with uh, with Epcot. It's a small mm-hmm. world because I have seen other videos where he's done that. Yeah. But those, it's always cool to go to Epcot and catch one of those concerts for Flower and Garden Festival, for Food and Wine Festival. Yeah, the concerts there. I mean, hey, you had Insync performing there quite often, and now with they're a, back on with a, an asterisk, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, the big big asterisk being that no, 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 the asterisk as in you didn't really get InSync performing at Epcot. It's always Joey Fatone and friends. I, yeah, you, you never had Justin Timberlake. You never had I Lance Bass really. Uh, Lance Bass actually performed there with him this year. Really? Yeah, that's cool. Justin Timberlake did. No, it, Timberlake. I don't think you'd you would never, dude. The crowds at Epcot for the the Fatone shows apparently are beyond nuts. So think about when it happens to come out that Justin Timberlake is there. Ain't no way. There's no way. But those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for... Our... Is right, that is right. Our mark moment of the week. I might as well just say, you said it before with NSYNC. Seeing them on yeah. stage together at the VMAs, I think, was super cool. That was totally cool. I mean, Taylor Swift, even though she 100%. she won she won every uh, award yeah, there. Yeah, she swept. But, but she, she was marking out for that, too, which I think is cool. Yeah, she was totally marking out for that one. And then they presented her the award that she was marking out to see them there. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, I marked out for Shakira. 
I think she lip synced the whole thing. I wasn't a fan of that performance. Dude, leave leave Shakira alone. I just wasn't I, a fan of that. I do like Carol G as well. Yeah. I thought I, it's weird. I I think that the VMAs. It's weird to me that they call it the VMAs and everything, considering that MTV doesn't play music videos anymore. They must. Like, they have to at like 3 a.m. on a Sunday or something. Yeah, but I feel like MTV lost touch to what... Well, I mean, they, they had to adapt and change. Yeah, but I feel Even like they TLC, should at least have... Look at TLC. That's a completely different... Like, it's the learning channel. That's true. I feel like I feel like at least MTV should have at least like an hour block of music videos during the day at some point. They might. I mean, that bring was back just TRL. All ridiculousness. I don't know. <laughs> bring back TRL. But yeah, so it was cool to see NSYNC there. And I, I was never like a big fan of them, but it was still cool I, to I, see I like that. Them. And I, I, I feel like I would totally want to see them live if they ever did actually tour. But I know that I'm a way bigger fan of Backstreet Boys, but I still yeah, think it I would, would be cool to see that. Yeah, my sister is Backstreet Boys, so of course I listen to more Backstreet Boys. It's like if they want to, I think at this point right now, NSYNC could 100% do a whole full tour and sell out every single arena they go to. If they wanted to absolutely like shatter people, <laughs> they could sell out stadiums and, and join up with Backstreet Boys and do a a boy band tour like that and they would I think they'd make a killing off of that. They already did that though, no? No. What was the Backstreet Boys with? Backstreet oh, Boys new, was new kids on the block. NKOTBSB. Just say New Kids on the Block. That's what it was. It was the NK NKOTBSB. New Kids on the Block. No, but BSB was included. Oh, Backstreet the BSB, Boys. the yeah. BSB. Who but I th- I feel like with Backstreet Boys and Instinct the problem is who would be the closing act? It would have to be Instinct. It would have to be Instinct for that tour, yeah. Right with Justin Timberlake. Well, not even with Timberlake. I think it's just like the the bigger part of that tour is is in sync for them not if, having been together oh. for. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. You make you make a valid point. Also, JC Chazé looking like AJ Styles big time there. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, nah. And then, really, I didn't have wrestling markout moments. I just had like uh, having that whole carousel of progress to myself was surreal. One of the yeah. times that I did Honda Mansion in that three three peat, I guess I'd say, literally mm. nobody else was in the vicinity of me with the Doom buggies, and that was kind of creepy. So, still like a cool thing to to have. So, yeah, that's very true. I mean, something that you can definitely mark out for is the shield one, two, three. I'm not marking out over the PWI 500. <laughs> Absolutely you have not. this shield going one, two, three Rollins reigns and Moxley and Gunter at number four, which I think is a cool thing to have that. But I mean, he Del Viking go. I don't think is top 10 though. I don't know. Like that was the, weird. See, the, the list is always garbage. I don't know. Yeah, if... And should Cody be in this list right now for top 10? He was out for a long time. I think Josh Alexander was out for a long time too. I mean, yeah, it definitely is questionable for sure. I mean, something I did mark out for is Jade Cargill is coming. She's going to be coming to WWE that's, potentially. That's not... <laughs> I know, Brandon can't hold in his... uh. His mark dumb. No, I mean, like I spoke about it earlier. Just if if she comes and 
goes to NXT or something. Then no, that's, main roster. No, there's she's not even ready to be on TV. <laughs> she's not. It's not funny. I'm I'm excited for Jade Cargill. She's uh, if she like she is the perfect fit for WWE, but she needs that training. I mean, she's I'm been sure off that she's TV gonna... for four months. I don't know if she's been doing that at all. I'm sure she's going to get the training as well. I mean, I feel like when you're in WWE, surrounded in their locker room, the the training and stuff like that just rubs off onto you as well. I feel like it's just the way it is at times. But I am excited for Jade Cargill if that is true rumors. Um, another thing that I'm excited for, kind of, are we going to see... I mean, Edge is not on the active roster anymore. Could yeah, I don't know. To, you know, I discussed that he... earlier as well. Something is that people for some reason think he's showing up at Grand Slam next week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting at if... Arthur Ashe Stadium where they keep calling it the the biggest stage or whatever, which doesn't make sense. They just like sold out Wembley Stadium, so yeah, I think they could stop calling Arthur Ashe, <laughs> the biggest stage, especially when they haven't even sold half of the amount of tickets that they sold at the first show. Mm-hmm. So it's like, eh. Yeah. Did you mark out for MJF doing Steiner math? I feel like that's something you'd mark out for. Not really. I was kind I of like it. eye roll over it. Yeah, I heard it. It was dope it's when Braun Breaker did it, but MJF doing it was just like, eh. Yeah, yeah, it was just forced. Yeah, very fan. much so. But yeah. I knew the internet was going to go crazy for it. Yeah, I agree with you. But those are the markout moments, even though they're mostly uh, MTV VMA and <laughs> Disney World related. <laughs> uh, that was episode 658. Check us out at Marking Out on Twitter, uh, at Marking Out 11 on Instagram. Threads. I almost said peaches for some reason. Um, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube. Facebook.com slash out at out on TikTok, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, MarkingOut.com. Instagram, you can follow us individually at BTTG161, Chris Sweendog, CM2085, David PTDPT, ProWrestlingTees.com slash out and... We wish you also Happy New Year to every uh, Lashana Tova fellow Jew that celebrates the the best best of luck in your future, future endeavors. endeavors.